0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the hump day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. One day closer to college football season, one day closer to the weekend. Very, very happy to be with you today. We have had some, um, I don't know, you know, it's one of those things you can never say it's unseasonably warm because uh, it, it is almost like absolute Hades out here at times and. uh in Mississippi, But uh, it has been extremely warm. And so as a result, the uh, Mississippi State coaching staff has made a decision because of the, the heat index this week. On Monday, they went indoors. And then on Tuesday, they went indoors. Now, the media, we were able to observe practice, a portion of practice on Tuesday. Monday, we were not. Uh, we'll see what happens today. It, it is a little cooler in Starkville this morning. Uh, so we'll see how things uh, develop over the course of the day's time. You know, we we do our best to get in there and check things out uh, every chance we get. Matter of fact, we have been there every practice. I, I've been to every practice so far this year. They've made open. That won't always be the case, but um, any time that we get a chance to go and observe, and there's some things I want to get into today. Some things we picked up yesterday uh, during practice, as well as our media session yesterday. Uh, and and one of those. Being about a player that wasn't in practice, and it's one of the things that that, that I do when I watch the personnel groups. I, I got some video of the receivers uh, yesterday because that that appears to be a topic of conversation once again, and I want to get into some of that today too. There's a lot there's a lot to talk about today, so it, it's probably a good day to tune in. Fair enough. Well, I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. The whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family to them. Walk in, it's like walking into Cheers. You know what I mean? It is time, Mom and Dad, to outfit the family in the latest maroon and white fashions. Everybody wants to wear the new gear for the new football season. You can find that at CampusBookmark.net, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener... You can get a phrase that pays. The promo code is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that will save you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50 is absolutely incomplete. So let's just jump in. There's a few things that I want to get to that have been on social media. And the first thing that I want to talk about is, is Dak Prescott. I want to talk about this whole negotiation deal. And there are so many people out there. That that have you know in my mind just the wrong opinion about all of this and uh, and here's the deal. So it's a contract year for Dak. You know that this is uh, he's in will be beginning the last year of his deal and so many of his peers, many of his you know draft mate classmates, uh, you know Carson Wentz, those guys, they've already signed extensions and so Carson Wentz was the first big domino to fall and he kind of set the market. Right around $32 million a year. Now, if you're Dak's representation and you look at that and say, okay, well, listen, Carson Wentz has not been healthy. Carson Wentz has not won near as many ball games as Dak Prescott. His numbers are not as good. So if Carson Wentz is the guy that sets the market, then Dak should be paid more than Carson Wentz. Now, you can believe whatever you want to believe about Dak's ability, and you can say, you know what, Carson Wentz, when healthy, is a better quarterback. But here's the deal. Uh, an excused absence is still an absence. And so regardless of the fact that, yes, he's had some injuries, he hasn't been available. And so if you begin to look at it from the other point of view and say, you know, listen, if he's getting $32 million and he's not healthy and he's not available and he's not a guy that can contribute as well as our client can, then Dak then needs to be compensated more than Carson Wentz. That's how the game is played. And then these, these reports come out and say, well, you know, Dak rejected a $30 million deal and wants $40 million. I I don't believe any of that. But there is always some saber-rattling when it boils down to these contract negotiations. And listen, guys, Jerry Jones, I believe, is probably the only coach in professional sport that gives a press conference every time he's available. I mean, it you know, there's like... This all all this stuff happens with uh, with Dak, and all of a sudden we've got to have a a, a post practice press conference with Jerry. You know, I've grown up a Pittsburgh Steelers fan my whole life. The way the Rooney family does it is we just we don't we don't negotiate in the public. Jerry is completely different. Everything Jerry does is in the public, and everything Dallas does is in the public. It's it's a very 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 visible franchise, and so. Jerry made comments yesterday about, you know, they feel comfortable about the deals they've offered to Amari Cooper and and um, Ezekiel Elliott and Dak. And all those guys are going to be well compensated. And and, and listen, it, it's a big, big, big year for the general manager in the Dallas Cowboys organization because you get these guys locked up. Those are your new triplets, right? You go back and you think about what the Cowboys had when they, when they had their last big run. You had, you know, Aikman, Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin. They kind of built a team around those guys, and that's the direction this thing can go. And it's not always a tidy undertaking. There's always going to be things that leak. But, listen, if you believe Dak Prescott's demanding $40 million, you know, that that's, and listen, number one, Dak wouldn't do that. Dak wants to win, but also, two, Dak's not going to go out there and make those kind of demands. That's what he has representation for. And they are working to get the best deal possible for Dak Prescott. We should want that. And one of the things that I've noticed is there's some people have come out there Mississippi State fans uh, being critical of our guy. And listen, I don't. Why can't we just be supportive of of Dak Prescott? I don't. I don't understand that. You know, I want Dak to get every dime that he can possibly get because I believe he deserves that. But also too. It's good for Mississippi State. I don't understand this, uh, this need to apologize for Dak. This, listen, this is how the game is played. Because here's what's going to happen. You know what? There's going to be a bunch of quarterbacks next year that are going to sign the extensions. And uh, while Dak may be in the top five this year, he won't be next year or the next year. And probably the next year. That's just how it is. That's the reality of life in professional sports. You know, you don't go in there and say, well, listen, we don't believe in our guy. And uh, Carson Wentz was paid $32 million this year. And, uh, you know, we think our guy is average, so we'll just take, I don't know, $20 million. I mean, because he was only making, what, what $2.07 million for his first contract. And so now you're going to tell, oh, well, you know, we're just happy to be decent. No, that's not how it works. And I don't think that's how Jerry works either. You go back and remember the Deion Sanders deal. Remember remember that? When Deion Sanders even had the Pizza Hut commercial. So what's it gonna take, Dion? 25, 30 million? Dion says both. And that's exactly what they did. They paid him fifty-five million dollars. And so the Cowboys liked being able to show out that cash. They like it. I mean, you know, it's like I've, I've said before that, you know, Dallas is one of those towns, it's uh you know, a lot of leased BMWs and credit card millionaires there because everybody wants to feel the need to keep up with the Joneses. And there there is some there is some factual basis for those statements because of the fact that you know Jerry Jones wants to be known as one of those owners that is going to get things done and they will get this deal done it's not going to be a 40 million dollar deal it'll come in somewhere around 32 33 million and that is great for Dak and my hope is that uh Dak donates some money to Mississippi State and we have uh you know a new practice facility or whatever you know uh, and that's selfish but that's you know, that's the reality of things. He he needs a tax right off anyway, right? some money to Mississippi State. But remove that from the equation, you know. Dak has got to do what's best for Dak, and and this is just simply one of those things that happens as part of these these contract negotiations. It's just it's part of the deal, and uh, I, I just wish more of our folks and and not that it matters in the grand scheme of things. I just think it's a bad look for us and our fan base when some people are out there saying, "Oh, there's no way, there's no way that Dak is worth that." Listen. I know what Dak was worth to us, and uh, if we'd been able to pull our money together, we would have probably paid him $30 million. It's because of the fact that we were just so happy for what he did for Mississippi State. But uh, I hope Dak gets everything that he's entitled to, and and, uh, and I hope this gets bed put to bed sooner rather than later. I know the Cowboys so they don't want to negotiate during the season, and that, and that is a bad look. You want to get it done. I, I suspect that it'll be settled here in the next week or so. I can't imagine that Dak wants to go into uh, into next year without a contract. And Ezekiel Elliott's come out and said that he won't play this year without an extension. And there are other people out there that say, "Well, you know, the team is built around Ezekiel Elliott." And you know, I I don't I don't think that you have to like one guy over another, because one of the things that we've learned about the NFL is that uh, your know, running backs just have a short shelf life. That's the reality of the position. Those guys get beat up a lot. It's very rare. I thought, there was one time I read a number that said the average career for an NFL running back was four years. Four. And so Zeke is already exceeding that, you know, because he is one of the elite backs in the National Football League. But Dallas will get that stuff done. They, they absolutely will get it done. And, and I, I think, you know, Jerry's one of those guys too. When you look over the fact that, what did they won, one, one playoff game, like in the last 10 years? I mean, something like that. I mean, that's it. I mean, people talk about, you know, Tony Romo this and Tony Romo that. Tony couldn't get it done in the postseason. That's the reality of things. Just couldn't get it done. And I'm eager to see what uh, what Dak and Zeke and these guys can do if they're able to stay together for a while. Also, of note, too, on social media yesterday, uh, one, of our, one of our Boneyard listeners kind of roped me into a conversation, and uh, and I'm glad they did. I want to address that. And let me pull it up because I want to make sure I get it correct. All right, so here we have it now on Twitter. Our, uh, our friend, friend Fletcher Collins, a Boneyard listener for a long time. You can find Fletcher Collins at Fletable91. I don't know what that has to do with. I don't know how that breaks down, but I guess that's Flettable, 91. So uh, Flett says, hey, Steve, Chris Doring said last night on the SEC network that word out of campus that the statewide receivers are not taking the next step forward. Do you agree? If not, who is his source? Sometimes it seems like these guys make up things to uh, to fix their predictions. And so my answer to that was, uh, no, I do not agree. And that's all that I, I said about it. And then uh, someone else jumps in and says, hey, who would Chris Doring's source be? That's what I find strange about a statement like that. And, uh, and so here's what happens a little bit later. Somebody tags Chris Doring and says, hey, it's Buddy Feltz. I miss you, Budman Buddy Feltz. Hey, Chris Doring, can you expand on us, please? If you step out on a ledge, you better look before you leave. Have you seen this for yourself? And so during and remember this, an initial the initial comment was word out of camp, word out of camp. He says, "I'm just going off of the articles being written from beat writers there about balls continuing to be dropped and the clips of one on ones being shown where there's little separation between them and the cornerbacks." Believe me, I hope they do step it up. It was painful to watch. Well, uh, here's the problem with that, uh, you know, Chris, is that uh, there haven't been. Articles written from the beat writers about balls continue to be dropped. There was the one clip of uh, Tyler Horka put out there. Dedrick Thomas made a drop, and, and people forget Dedrick Thomas' fewest number of drops in the uh, in the conference last year. And uh, Dedrick Thomas is a sure-handed receiver. He dropped one pass in practice. He dropped more than that, but that's the, my point. Is there's one pass in practice that makes the interwebs. And now, now, now we've created a narrative. Now, now, now we've got SEC network people who have not attended a practice, have not had any interaction, and I asked yesterday, have not had any interaction with our players or coaches this fall, and we're out there on the network saying, "Hey, I'm hearing the receivers hadn't. Well, where are you hearing this from?" And as I said, you know, as one of the beat writers and someone who has attended every practice, they've 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 made open. I don't agree with this assessment at all. Uh, Javante Payton and Zubra have been strong newcomers, and Gidry and Mitchell have looked good. Room for improvement, but a better-looking group than a season ago. Doring responds to me, and listen, I, I want to make sure you guys understand this. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Chris Doring. He was a great football player at the University of Florida. I mean, great, and I think he is a for the most part a very objective and uh, you know, well-expressed voice on the SEC network. I just think in this particular situation, he got it over his skis a little bit and I think he's incorrect. So Chris responds, hey, if you've been out there and seen it firsthand, I respect your opinion. If they're developing in practice, that's great. Hopefully that carries over to the game field because there's lots of guys who can do it in practice and can't win accounts. Everything he just said is true, but it kind of goes against what he said initially. You mean, again, Chris Dorian? and yeah, we both got a blue check next to our name. I'm nowhere near as accomplished as he is. But now you're going to take my word for it over what you said was word out of camp. You said word out of camp was, and now I'm just some guy on Twitter that has been to practice and covers the team, and I say, hey, what you're saying is incorrect. Okay, well, I'll just take your word for it. So what that tells me is he didn't really have a source because if you really had a source within the program – because, listen, we only get, and I want to make this abundantly clear. I don't, I don't know that this gets said enough. And I discussed this some yesterday with some of the guys in the media. I want to make sure that everybody understands this. We get to see about 15 to 20 minutes of practice. That's all we get. We spend all day. We go up there. We spend 15 to 20 minutes, and we get to see that part of practice. So we don't see any team drills. We see some one-on-ones, and that's still relatively new for us. So there could be some things that happen after we leave. You know, maybe Javante Payton is great in front of the media, and then as soon as we leave and they go to team drills and maybe he gets lost. And that was one of the things that I asked. I said, well, you know, well, maybe Doreen's talking to somebody within the staff, and maybe there's some things we're not seeing in practice, and that's concerning. And so rather than just, you know, say, hey, listen, based on the small sample size we have, this is what we see. I went back to some other people and said, hey, listen, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's been a discussion about this. What's, what's really going on? And I was told, you know what? What you guys see in practice continues after you leave. The same guys that are making plays in that 20 minutes of observation that you guys get, they're making plays all the time. It, it is consistent. So what the sampling that we're seeing is a good sample size because of the fact it is a daily basis to same guys continuing to take steps forward to move this personnel group forward and then we have it kind of ratified by the staff saying hey you know what when you guys are not here uh those guys are still making plays and so i just feel and again i'm not being negative for the sake of being negative or taking a shot at chris doring i just want to make sure let's not get wrapped up in the social media narrative from people that are not here okay and and one of the things that i've shared since the spring uh you know i guess i've been accused of being a pollyanna before i i I don't see it that way i want what's best for mississippi state but if something is is a concern i will tell you it is a concern i've always tried to operate that way i've told you guys since the spring i'm very concerned about defensive tackle very now you don't have to be uh you know, John Gruden or John Madden to to take a look at that depth chart and say, you know what, there's going to be some problems there. I feel a little bit better about it now that I've seen some of the guys in practice. But again, we haven't seen them when the bullets are flying. You know, we haven't seen them when they actually have to line up and blow through uh, somebody else and fit a gap and make a tackle. We haven't seen that. So the jury is still out in that respect. But we have seen the wide receivers have an opportunity to get out there and go make plays. And you know, one of the things that I thought last year is that outside of – really outside of Stephen Guidry, last year in practice, we had some guys kind of fighting the football. And, uh, and so this year you've got Javante Payton. We talk about him a lot. And Brian Haydad and I discussed this a couple days ago. I almost feel like a broken record because every day we go to practice, I end up talking about him. And it's because of how impressive he is. It's not because I want him to be good, which I do want him to be good, but it's because he is really good. That kid can play. And one of my good friends and I were talking about him yesterday, and he goes, you know, Steve, here's the deal. If you look at the quality of wide receiver play that Ole Miss has had the last, what, five, six years? We, we could do a lot worse than uh, going out and, and signing a former Ole Miss commitment or signee at the wide receiver position. And it's just one of those things that happens. It's uh, It's been good fortune for Mississippi State because, you know, Javante Payton signed, was, signs with Ole Miss out of high school, uh, doesn't qualify, goes to Northwest Community College, and then, of course, there's all the upheaval in the coaching staff at Ole Miss. And so at that point, he just felt like, you know what, I need to find something else. And it's one of those things, too. It depends on who you want to believe. But the bottom line is he was good enough you know, to be a part of that group uh, and and be you know, recruited by Grant Hurd and, and Hugh Freeze and that group. And let's be honest, uh, if we're being brutally honest with ourselves, they have out-recruited us when it's come to the wide receiver position. And so now watching this kid in practice, I can see why they were so uh, – excited about him. I can see why Tennessee did their best to try to flip him last year in December when they thought he could get out in January. It all makes sense. This kid's a big time player and watching him yesterday. And I turned to Ben Portnoy and Hork and I said, you know, Mississippi state didn't have anybody like this last year. The kid is quick twitch. He is a guy that can elevate. He is what you expect in a big time receiver. And so you go from him, and then you add Isaiah Zubra. And I mentioned this yesterday. I do this little you know, message board column every, uh, every day after practice, you know, what we learned today. And uh, and I kind of share the things that we saw in practice, a few observations, that sort of stuff, a few comments from, from people. But Isaiah Zuber gets better and better in practice every time we see him. And watching him yesterday indoors, one of the things that really stood out to me is how, fl- how flawless – he is with his steps. Sometimes he is one of those guys that just doesn't waste a lot of motion. You know, he just doesn't waste a lot of steps. He's a guy that gets off the line very, very soft hands, and he can tuck and turn as well as anybody I've seen. And what I mean by that is, is he secures the catch, tucks it away, and gets upfield, and he, he does it very, very fluidly. It's it's impressive to see. And so when you think about adding those two guys, and then you see. Dedrick Thomas beginning to kind of step up a little bit. And, and listen, you know Dedrick's always been a pretty steady, solid performer for us, and I don't think he's ever going to be the focal point of the offense, but he is a, an important piece of things. And then you add Osiris Mitchell, and, and I don't think anybody expected Osiris Mitchell to be our leading receiver last year. But now you've gone from basically having one guy last fall. We, we, we felt good about Stephen Geddy We were hopeful about Devontae Jason. We weren't sure what to expect from Osiris Mitchell. You know, Austin Williams was a guy that had kind of been the hero of the spring the last couple of years, and that's what we were kind of dependent on. And I think when you look at this group now, it's a much different dynamic. You went from really having one, maybe two guys, to having five. And so you wanted to have an influx of talent at the wide receiver position, and I think you have that. And now we're beginning to see these guys Perform up to their potential. That is exciting. That is the kind of stuff when you look at it and say, "Okay, listen, where do we need to improve to take a step forward as an offense?" And that's where quarterback play, wide receiver play. Will you address that? You get a grad transfer in Tommy Stevens, and again, the jury's still out on that. And I said this from the beginning when we first started recruiting him. You got to pump the brakes a little bit here. Okay, we're not getting Trace McSorley. You know, we're getting the guy that was. The number two guy there, yes, he's had some injuries, and yes, he looks good in a uniform and he has a big arm. But until we see him as the guy, theres I just think there's room for, you know, pause. But all that being said, we expect to have better quarterback play this year. And hand-in-hand with better quarterback play, will be better wide receiver play. I mean, how many times last year did we see Nick Fitzgerald actually make the right read and make a great throw only to see the pass dropped? And Nick had some, you know, certainly made some mistakes last year, but there were a lot of times, too, when he did everything right and we still didn't get a completion out of the deal. And so your quarterback play will improve because your, your wide receiver group is better. They're better. And so when I hear these things and I see these things there's a part of me i always kind of laugh it off i used to just kind of let it all go but uh it's one of those things people bring in and say hey well steve yeah listen you know i thought the wide receivers were doing better and let me just tell you they are doing better and i can tell you the consensus opinion of the media is they're doing better and we are in practice every day i don't know there's a media member around that'll tell you the wide receiver group is not better than last year we talk among ourselves they're better. It's as simple as that. Now, will they do it on Saturdays? Because it doesn't matter how well they play, they perform in practice. That's enough to get you excited. But what do you what do you do when the band is playing? You know, what what, what do you do when the cowbells are clanging? That, that's what matters most. Because we've had a lot of these, uh, you know, practice heroes that haven't performed on Saturdays, and that's the case with every program. I want to remind you guys too, when you're in town, Bulldog Burger Company is absolutely the best place to go break bread. Your family will love it, you will love it. Everybody is entitled to a great restaurant quality hamburger. You can get a you can get a hamburger almost anywhere. You can't get the quality, the service, the experience that you're gonna get at Bulldog Burger Company. Absolutely love going there. You guys know I'm a big fan of the pimentology. I had bacon. Right now the current favorite is DeLorean. And I go through phases, you know, where I'll, I'll kind of get on a kick for a while. And then after a while, i say, you know what, I want to try something a little bit different. And you can do that at Bulldog Burger Company. You can try something different. That's one of the best things about it. It's almost like a gourmet hamburger place. And maybe you're not in the mood for a hamburger. You can have a chicken sandwich. You can have the BLT salad. You can have the kale State salad. There are a lot of options to choose from there. But listen, by and large, this is a hamburger joint, the best hamburger joint in the state of Mississippi, bar none. We encourage you to go by, find your own favorites. Bulldog Burger Company is the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District, run by people who love Mississippi State and love Starkville, part of our family. Go by, Get to know them. Enjoy yourselves. Tell Ian that Steve Robertson sent you. My nephew Dan still works there. He'll make you a drink. Good times. You can have an adult beverage there. You can have a family-friendly experience there as well. Get that chocolate shake to go. Live a little bit. Bulldog Bird Company, the place in stark Grove people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So, speaking of wide receivers, uh, Devontae Jason, better known as WAP, was not there yesterday. He did not attend practice. I got tipped off the night before that uh, he shouldn't be there. And, you know, you hear a lot of things. It's one of the things that I've learned about life, especially in the media. If you talk to enough people, you can hear whatever you want. And there's a lot of rumors out there during the summer anyway. There's always these rumors about players. And so I got a call from somebody that I trust and said, hey, uh, I don't think uh, Wap's going to be in practice. I think uh, I heard that WAP is in New Orleans. And so when you hear that sort of stuff, you kind of think, okay, hmm." well, rather than bug anybody at, at night, you know, reach out to media relations or sources within the Mississippi State football program, I said, you know what? We're going to be there tomorrow. We'll just wait and see. So I go and I paid special attention to the receivers. And I'll have some of that video up later today on Gene's page for free. But I go check it out. And, uh, and lo and behold, he's not there. Watch the reps. You know, there's, there's Peyton, there's Zuber, there's, uh, Dedrick Thomas. There's no, uh, there's no WAP. So I go back and I make a call to, uh, my source and said, yeah, WAP's not in practice. What's, what's going on? And, uh, They deemed it a family issue and said, hey, he's back home with the family. Uh, I'm not 100% convinced that that it's just as simple as that. Now, uh, we won't see Joe Moorhead. We don't have an opportunity to meet with Joe again until Saturday. Today is Wednesday. We will have some members of the coaching staff meet with us today. Joe is not one of them. Uh, So so, uh, we obviously plan to ask what his status is with the team. But... He's not in practice, and based on what I've heard, I don't know that he'll be back the rest of the week. Now, we hope so. I hope he's back today. You know, uh, Devontae Jason was uh, one of the, the big recruits of his class at a position of need, and we all had high hopes for him. You know, last year, and I still contend, we probably waste his freshman year with him basically relegated to special teams last year, but here we are. And so... That's one of those things I begin to think about too. When you think about the fact that you know you've got Javante Payton and Isaiah Zuber and those guys coming in, and to be fair and honest with all of you, those guys are ahead of Wop. And what I mean by that is just in a in a player developmental standpoint. You know, Wop looks bigger and more physical than last year, but when we're watching practice, you know, your eyes kind of flash to Zuber and the Payton. And so I begin, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, is there more to this? And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to cast aspersions or anything like that, but I'll tell you, it is something that we are monitoring very, very closely. Something that we are very, very, very mindful of. Now, does that mean he's transferring? I, I, don't, I don't know that. Um, does it mean that he just needed to go home and kind of regroup a little bit and come back? Possibly. You know, I, I've heard that he has, uh, ha- has some illness within the family. And uh, we've always felt like, you know, when those things pop up, everybody always is a little bit skeptical. You know, it's just one of those things, I guess, in life we think, well, this is spin, you know. uh, It could be as simple as that. And hopefully that is all that it is. Is just the fact that he had an alien relative and needed to go home and deal with that. And so we need him, okay, and we need him to come and live up to his potential and be exactly who we expect him to be because here's the deal. Uh, This time next year, Isaiah Zuber is probably going to be in the NFL, and Javante Payton will be getting ready for his senior season, and Stephen Giddy will already be gone. So we're going to need Wop to come in here and be a guy next year. And we need him to play this year. But you begin to look ahead to next year, You know, next year he would be a you know a, a central figure in the offensive scheme. So, again, I don't want to speculate. We want to deal in a facts-only business. But I, here, are the, here are the facts for this. Is he was not in practice yesterday. He is in New Orleans. Those are the facts, and the fact of the matter is, is that uh, we need him moving forward. Those are all that's that's all factual. Now there are a lot of people, other people out there that you know they're going to say, well, you know, this is what I've heard, and and you know, I I, I can't be accountable for what other people say because I don't know. I don't. They they, they may be better source to me. I don't know. In this particular matter, I don't believe so. But uh, but I think we give people room to figure it out, and then uh, we'll find out. On um, with Joe on Saturday. And if we hear something before, then we'll, we'll certainly share it on Gene's page. But uh, Wap not a part of practice. I will we'll, obviously will be looking for him today when we go to practice. And so every day that we're there, we'll update with what we have and let you know if he is here. You know, it used to be who's WAP now it's where's swap. And so we'll uh, we'll update you on that. But uh, it is again, it I don't want to make too much of it, but it is something that we are we are a little bit concerned about. We're just a little bit concerned about. And so we will attempt to get more information for you guys uh, as as we learn. As we learn things, we will share it with you. And speaking of learning things, and uh, we've tiptoed around this a little bit, and I'm going to talk about it today because I want to make sure that, uh, you know, I, I share a few things, what we can. You know, we are in the business of covering Mississippi State, and sometimes that involves negative news. A lot of times it's positive news. You know, sometimes it's the negative news sometimes is, is as simple as a guy being injured and kind of playing through something. Or, you know, sometimes guys, uh, you know, sometimes you get a public drunk every once in a while or, you, you know, you have a kid get a speeding ticket or, you know, minor in possession. Th- those kind of things happen. And a lot of that is just, and I, I've said before to many people, uh, that's just covering kids. You know, I mean, that's just the reality of life you got a lot of people on their own for the first time away from home and not not always a lot of off-the-field accountability. And, uh, you know, kids are going to party, and the kids are going to make mistakes. It's going to happen in State. It's going to happen at Ole Miss. It's going to happen at LSU. It's going to happen at Mississippi College. I mean, that's just the reality of things. Kids get off on their own and do silly things. And so I'm not in the business of carrying water for Mississippi State. That said, I will not put things out that I feel that are detrimental to Mississippi State unless they are factual. You know, We're not in the, room, in, the, in the business of spreading negative rumors about Mississippi State. And there are some rumors out there that have persisted for months. As you guys are well aware, Nick Weatherspoon was suspended from the basketball program. Or, or Let's just say, I don't know if we can technically call it a suspension. Let's just say that he was withheld from competition. And so shortly after that happened, I began to get phone calls that there was some concern that this might kind of reach into football. And then, of course, in the beginning, all you hear is a doomsday scenario or whatever. Then, then, then we begin to kind of get some balance of things. And so there, are, there have been some rumors and uh, that have spread uh, throughout the Mississippi State Internet community over the last few months that there could be uh, some penalties for football, that there could be some guys that are kind of wrapped up in a similar situation. So we acknowledge that we've heard these things and I can tell you we have worked diligently and that we have beat our heads against the wall many times trying to get more information, to trying to get facts. Now it's it's one thing, you know, to say, Hey, we're hearing that so and so and so and so and so and so might be involved. The problem with that is what if one of those kids is not involved? What if what if you put his name out there based on a sourced report and it's inaccurate? Or what if this person is maybe, you know, part of a probe and then they are exonerated? And so you don't want to malign the character or the name of uh, one of the student athletes. And so it is very, very difficult. Because a lot of people think, okay, well, Steve, why can't you just pick up the phone and call Joe Moorhead and say, hey, Joe, what's going on with this? Well, number one, that's not how things work at all, no matter what you might think. I mean, we we don't get to go over to Joe Moorhead's house and, and uh and play ping pong and, and hang out with his kids and that sort of stuff. It's it's not that kind of relationship. But it it's a working and professional relationship. Joe is very friendly. When I see Joe out and about, he's always the one to come up and shake your hand and say hello. But we don't talk shop all the time. Uh, it's just the reality of life. But also too, that when there's when it's an issue of student privacy, nobody, no school administrator at Mississippi State or elsewhere is going to speak uh, about an issue like this. Just, they're just not going to do it. Nobody, and trust me, we have tried. We're not just assuming that. We have made several inquiries over the course of the last few months to try to get the truth of the matter, to try to get facts for all of you and share with you, okay, here, here's what's really going on. and And not because we want to perpetuate... Potential negative information about Mississippi State—that's that, never our intention. But the fact of the matter is, bad things happen. But one of the reasons we want to get facts is because we want to beat back some of these doomsday prophets. But a lot of people out there and say, "Oh, you know, you know, we've got, you know, we're going to have you know, 50 kids suspended," you know, and that's a bit of an exaggeration. But you understand my point? It's like we want to be able to pre- prevent, present facts to prevent that sort of stuff you know kind of taken off that's not helpful to anybody and so here here's the deal too and it's one of the things that I've learned I, I, I used to feel differently you know it used to be the it's the end of the world you know like if the message board start popping you know they go you know we, we got to run this down people are going crazy you know if we don't find out for another week we're all going to live it's not going to kill any of us you know we want to know sooner rather than later but at the same time, too, I understand there is a process now. One of the things that I have been told uh, about, you know, this uh, this situation, is that uh, there is some resolution coming here in the next week to ten days. This is expected to be resolved here in the next week to ten days, and so once that happens, I'm, we will begin to get some information. Now, I I, I don't know. How open the university is going to be about this? I don't. I don't know if there'll be, you know, a, a public declaration made. I, I just. I just don't know. But we will have some information, just like we did last year when Nick Fitzgerald was suspended. You know, we found out the. Uh, I guess the Monday of game week before we played Stephen F. Austin that Keaton Thompson would start, and it was a bit of a surprise for a lot of people. We had heard some things throughout the summer did not know how true they were. Again, nobody would comment. But when the time was appropriate, Joe Moorhead and Nick Fitzgerald both addressed it. I suspect we see a similar thing happen here. I suspect that we see a statement of some sorts to offer some sense of an explanation. One of the things that I will say about Mississippi State that, uh, that I've always admired, and uh, I give uh, my, my friend Mike Neiman a lot of credit for this, is when Mississippi State comes out and says, we will have no further comment, they mean it. They mean it. The university is not in the business of addressing rumors. And that's one of the things when you go back and you and you look in hindsight, you know, to how Ross Bjork and his bunch kind of mishandled the, the NCAA thing there, they'd come out and say, hey, we're not going to comment. But then they would trip over their tongues trying to comment every time somebody wrote a negative article about them, they felt the need to respond. Uh, the Mississippi State Deal is much different. When they say we're not going to comment, they don't. And trust me, we have tried to get them to comment on this numerous times. But the reality of the situation is, is that nobody's going to go on the record about this. They're just not. They're just not. And uh, when there, are, when there are issues involving student privacy, the university will err on the side of caution, as well. They should. Now there is a demand for information. There is a need to know and in our in our situation there is a quest to get information to report information. We would love to have it first. We would love to have a fax report to be able to share with you guys on Gene's page and say look here, here's the deal, here's what's going on here's what you can expect, here's how it's going to be handled that's what we want to be able to provide for you guys but unless the university is a willing partner with us and shares that information with us we don't have anything to report. We can't just come out and say, well, we're hearing this guy, this guy, and this guy, and this guy are involved in this and uh, and come off half cock like that. And the next thing you know, uh, you're in the middle of a defamation or a libel suit because of the fact that you, you reported something that's incorrect. And so the only people that really know the facts behind this are the university and of course the individuals that are involved. And they of course gain nothing by releasing that information. And so uh, the bottom line is this, we are aware of these rumors about some potential suspensions involving players. And I touched on it a little bit uh, during we talked about the Keaton Thompson situation. But we are aware of it. We have pursued it for months. We just simply aren't getting anywhere. And we hear a lot of the same things you guys do. We hear a lot of the same names you guys do. But we haven't been able to confirm any of that stuff. We have, all, all that we've been able to confirm is that there is an incident that the university has looked into and has looked into, and you, and you that should not be a shock to anybody because, of the fact, Nick Weatherspoon was withheld from competition. You may also remember that Ben Howen said uh, during our last media opportunity with him that Nick Weatherspoon is going to be the point guard this year. And so that's an interesting statement for him to make considering the backdrop, considering the fact that we held him out all the way through the NCAA tournament and now here we are getting ready for the next season, and uh, and he says, "Hey, Nick's our point guard," and I believe it was Joel Coleman that asked him and says, "Hey, do you do you expect Nick to start the first game?" And Howen says, "I hope so. Not that I know so, but I hope so." And so if he is hopeful that Nick has an opportunity to play in game one, uh, then to me that is somewhat optimistic that this is, this issue will be resolved. Uh, satisfactorily and so there are a lot of people out there that are going to offer you all these opinions and here's what I've heard and 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 I'm sure that at some point we probably all heard some of the same things but uh, there does appear to be enough of a connection with football for the university to look into it and that's their job that's their due they have to do their due diligence uh, but it kind of is what it is. I, I can't make it any better or any worse than it is. I'm just simply acknowledging the fact that uh, we have heard many of the same things that you have heard. We are very concerned about it. I don't buy this doomsday scenario thing that other people are. That you know, there are some people that you know, when when bad things happen, they want to make them worse because I think that way, when the reality of the things come in, uh, it's a relief. You know what I'm saying? It's like you prepare for the absolute worst. And that way, anything short of that it comes off as, okay, well, it's not so bad. It, you know, listen, I've known a bunch of crisis junkies in my life, you know, that uh, that's what they get excited about is thinking, okay, listen, here's the deal. Man, uh, I don't even know if we're going to play football this year. And then we do play football and we go to a ball game and we think, man, I'm so glad it wasn't as bad as I expected. That's the way some people cope with all this. But uh, once we have facts and the way that this thing, again, the, the fact that, that we are pushing much closer to a ruling on this uh, and we're pushing much closer to the season and we're getting closer and closer to game week, you know, it, we're going to have it sooner rather than later. And, again, I don't know if we get it before the university prepared to make a statement. They, they're in control of that information. It's not us. You know, I can promise you we're not holding out on you. We have talked about this ad nauseum among ourselves. Uh, Mike Nemeth and I both have have. I have asked him several times, Mike. How would you handle it? You've been on the other side of this thing from an administrative point of view. Is there anything we can do? Is there anything that we can say? Is there a person we can talk to? Is there an avenue that we can we can attempt? Uh, you know, to find some information. Is there something I don't know? Is there a procedure or process in place that we can use? And so, uh, it's nice to have that resource. But the answer to those questions are no. It's as simple as that. It's, you know, we can ask. And we have asked, but the reality of the situation is until the university is ready to, uh, to answer those questions, they're gonna remain unanswered. That's the reality of things. There's nobody anywhere that's uh, you know, required to, to give us anything. We cover Mississippi State on Mississippi State's terms. And so again, we are aware of the situation. And at this point, there's not a lot of facts. There are a lot of people, I've seen, I've had some people say, well, I've heard it's going to be X number of players and it's going to be, you know, eight, nine, ten games. And based on what I have been told from people that I trust, that there has been no determination in that respect. There has been no decision about any of that. I had one person tell me, I said, hey, you know, if we have our way, there won't be any suspensions but but again suspensions are a part of life it seems and uh you know we we've had that you know remember Fletcher Cox suspended a ball game and uh you know that we Cory Thomas was suspended a couple of games last year and Nick Fitzgerald was suspended i mean that that's a, that's part of the disciplinary process and so unfortunately you don't want your school attached to that but uh that there is always a bit of unpleasantness it seems uh so we'll see how things progress I want to remind you guys too if you hadn't done so Uh, Go to StarkVillains.com and you can order yourself a Stark Villain shirt, and you should have one already. If you don't, go ahead and order one for the whole family. Uh, We are—the book is pushing off the print here in the next few days. You know, got a few more things they got to finish up, and uh, but the writing process has been over, the editorial process is over, uh, pictures have been uh, you know captioned and credited and all that good stuff, and so now we just kind of wait. Now it's now we're waiting. And so in the next several days, I suspect that we will have a pre-sale option for you to buy Stark Villains. And, um, you know, we ran Flem Flem the com For Flim Flam, it'll be Stark com this go-around, from what I understand. And so once we get that information, uh, I'll share that with you. We'll share it on social media. We'll share it on Gene's page. Uh, go ahead and give you guys an opportunity to go ahead and, and pre-buy the book. And then we'll have a lot of, book signings around the state of mississippi and beyond uh, there were some people that really wanted me to come to huntsville and I, i've got some more things to explain about flim Flam later there are some things that uh i'm not really at liberty to discuss right now but there's some other things about flim Flam that i want to share with you a little bit later uh, there's some people that really want me to come to huntsville last year and we were working on that and uh things kind of fell apart on our end not anything to do with the, the fine folks at huntsville and uh, we were in contact with some folks there to the barnes and noble and I know that there's a big alumni base, Mississippi State folks in Huntsville that us to come, and so that was the plan. And uh, you know, once we got through Christmas of 2017, I reached out to uh, you know the people that did handle my calendar, and uh, I said, "Hey, listen, here's the deal. I just want to be able to, uh, I just want to be able to, to kind of take some time for myself, because I did uh, you know 40 some of the book signings in uh, about 90 days, and so." I just needed it's the first time i had done that and uh i was gone a lot i think uh i think if i'm not mistaken i think the the 10 days preceding christmas i think i slept in the same bed as my wife one night and so i was just worn out and so we wanted to do some things in the spring but some things kind of changed uh within the the team that was working on flim flim for us but um, it's a different dynamic this time uh excited to get back on the road excited to see you guys and uh I've read the book twice in the last week or so, and every time I read it, I always say, hey, this is my favorite chapter. And one of my favorite ones, without a doubt, is a chapter about Nico Whitley. And uh, Nico Whitley talks about you know, Dan Mowen honored his scholarship despite the ACL tear, and then the, the ups and downs of his injury-plagued career at Mississippi State, and then the things that happened in that 2013 season, you know, with Nico stripping the ball out on the road at Arkansas and stripping the ball out of Bo Wallace at the goal line. He talks in depth about all of that, and he talks about what Mississippi State means to him. When I'm reading all this, I remember when he was a player here at Mississippi State, he did not want to speak to the media, and now here he is now kind of giving me his entire story and kind of talking about, you know, how he felt about everything so, and what what the Mississippi State experience meant to him. And so that you will have some of those stories, too. And, again, it's we're going to cover – there are interviews that cover eight decades of Mississippi State athletics. Think about that for a second, eight decades. And some of these stories, I'm glad we're able to document them before many of the uh, the storytellers passed away because some of these stories, I'm sure, will be lost to the sands of time if we're not documented. And so uh, there will be other villains that emerge. There will be other Starkville people and Mississippi State people that have great stories, and I want you to share those with me because we've already begun to talk about you know, the fact that down the road here in the next couple years, we'll probably do a sequel to Stark Villains. And i uh, very, very happy with the work. It's been uh, one of the greatest joys of my life. And I absolutely cannot wait for you guys to have this book in your hands. It is an important part of things. And uh, it is one of the reasons that I moved to Starville in the first place is I wanted to help tell the Mississippi State story. And this is kind of really the first installment of that. And i um, got some other projects that people have approached me about and uh, we'll be finalizing that and people continue to ask about uh the next book the book about personal recovery that, I, that i'm working on that's uh haven't even really begun to get back onto that when i took some time off i was actually writing that book when i got the contract to do flim flam i was in the middle of writing uh the, my book of personal recovery and i uh, had uh literary agent reach out to me and say hey how do you feel about writing a book about the whole old misinvestigation you know, if anybody there's going to be books written about this and that considering your knowledge of the situation you should write it and so so put that book on hold for a while and then uh we wanted to do a sequel to flim flam and i just you know I just my heart wasn't in it i felt like we needed to kind of wait a little while let, let the story breathe a little bit maybe maybe we cycle back to that in a few years we'll see uh but that's the next one the next thing that i plan to work on is that book of personal recovery and to be honest with you uh, when I first began to write that, I had no idea what I was doing when it came to writing a book. It's one of those things, you, until you've done it, you really have no idea how involved it all is. I, I think everybody thinks, hey, someday I'm going to write a book. and uh, It is more involved and more tedious and more stressful uh, than, than I could ever explain. But it is also incredibly rewarding. To, to finish something like that and uh, for other people to find joy in your work. It's uh, it's one of the greatest things in life. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. And again, we'll have some big news soon uh, as it relates to that book. And then once we have information that we can share with you about some of these other things that are a little bit unpleasant around Mississippi State football right now, we'll get that to you. But the bottom line is we're going to play football this year. We're going to put a great team on the field and we're going to have a really good year. That That's the reality of things. And uh, you know, having a couple of guys suspended uh, for a little while, that, that's not going to derail the team, the program, or the trajectory uh, of Mississippi State football. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see, see a difference in the way we live. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.